Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the air for this Tuesday, August the 1st of 2023. Great to have you on board. Two hours of local sports talk coming your way on your home of the Fighting Irish. And in 25 days, We'll have football on these airwaves. The Fighting Irish taking on the United States Naval Academy Midshipmen in Dublin, Ireland. It'll be August the 26th, 2.30 South Bend time kickoff. It'll be 7.30 start time over in Dublin. So, of course, they'll be playing under the lights. And you can hear that game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, as well as every single Fighting Irish game once again this season. And along with every Notre Dame football game, you get plenty of pre and post game coverage here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Once the calendar gets to August, if you are not revved up for football, once you see August on the calendar, normally that gets everybody all fired up for football. We've got high school football, Training camps underway in the state of Indiana. Notre Dame's been going for just about a week. Teams not playing in week zero are opening up this week. You've got NFL training camps underway, so it is full go for football. And, of course, we've got you covered here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. As we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com. And on our free WSBT radio app, which you can get right now. It's so doggone easy. Just go to the Google Play or iTunes Store, search WSBT radio, download the app. It's a free download. And with that download, you can listen to us live or our podcasts on demand. One stop shopping here at WSBT radio. Well, coming up this evening on the program, plenty of Notre Dame football conversation in our next segment. We're going to focus on the Fighting Irish defense, year number two for Al Golden as defensive coordinator. We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to. Also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, Notre Dame football talk with Pete Byrne. He is the sports director at WSBT 22, the CBS affiliate 
here in South Bend, Indiana. We'll talk some Notre Dame football with Pete. Mike Singer, who talks Notre Dame football recruiting from blueandgold.com, will not be with us today. Looks like he will jump back on the program on Thursday. So if you are all in on Notre Dame football recruiting, we will not have it today, but it looks like he will join me on Thursday's program, and there'll be plenty of things to talk about there. Also coming up, we have our Notre Dame football opponent preview, and today it's a big one. The USC Trojans coming back to South Bend. USC handed Notre Dame a 38-27 loss in the Irish regular season finale at the Coliseum last year. And now USC will look to pick up a victory at Notre Dame Stadium for the first time since 2011. They've lost five straight in the series here in South Bend. But they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, back at quarterback. And, boy, you truly need a roster if you're a USC fan. They have brought in a lot of players in the transfer portal on the offensive line and throughout their defense. So Lincoln Riley trying to put together a roster using a lot of teams across the country. Seemed like he's picked on Arizona more than anybody else. But USC Notre Dame will be a classic primetime football game October 14th at Notre Dame Stadium. So we will preview the Trojans and tell you about some of the new players they have from the portal coming up in just a little bit here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. But we begin with our hat trick of opening topics here on WSBT Radio. Up first, let's talk some Notre Dame football and Let's revisit three of my concerns going into Notre Dame fall camp and where we stand right now with those quote-unquote concerns as we start to wrap up week one of fall training camp. The number one concern that I had going into fall camp, the defensive line, how good were the starters going to be? Is there going to be good enough depth? Where's the pass rush going to come from? You know, I really haven't changed my level of concern yet in that area. I don't think I'm going to change until the Irish take on Navy. I'm still in a wait-and-see mode there. I think they're going to be creative in creating a pass rush. It's hard to find Isaiah Foskies, and Isaiah is now with the New Orleans Saints. I don't expect Jordan Patello to try to impersonate Isaiah Foskey. We need him to be the best Jordan Patello possible. And if he comes close to sack production of Foskey, that's absolutely great news for this defense. But I really believe someone like Jack Kaiser coming off the edge is going to be a factor this year in getting after the quarterback. I just think with Notre Dame's corners and with their ability to lock down the opposition in man, we're talking about Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart, that just opens up so many different avenues of play calling for defensive coordinator Al Golden. So the fact that the Irish have, on paper, and I think results show, high-end corners, that is going to allow the defensive line to get after the quarterback and maybe get an extra body helping them knock down the quarterback this year. So defensive line for me is still wait and see. I don't think they're going to be poor by any means. I'm just wondering how good they're going to be and how good is the depth going to be. Is there going to be a drop-off from the starters to the reserves? Another so-called concern going into fall camp for me, the safety position. 
I think the Irish are very comfortable with the three veteran players they have at the safety position. D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts, and Ramon Henderson. We are waiting to see if Antonio Carter, the transfer from Rhode Island, works into the mix. Thomas Harper, a safety slash nickel. He might be spending more of his time at the nickel, battling Clarence Lewis for playing time there. Harper could help out at the safety position as well. There's a lot of options. I think it's fair to say they have a lot of interesting options at the safety position. Now let's see how they all work together, work in different packages on the back end of this Fighting Irish defense. So that's a little wait and see as well. Now there is one concern that I'm not as concerned about, and maybe you thought I was crazy for being concerned, Going into fall camp, I just wanted to know who those offensive guards were going to be, and I was hoping starters would be decided quickly so chemistry could be built starting now, heading toward that first game on August the 26th. You know, Jared Patterson was banged up at the start of last year, but the offensive line, I don't think, hit its stride early on in the year. So with two new offensive guards, I was just a little hesitant in expecting big things right away from the offensive line. And I'm not going to go berserk, but I think they're going to be solid from the get-go because the word is Billy Shroud could be one heck of an offensive lineman for this football team as he continues to get opportunities to play over the next couple of years. He is the leading candidate to be left guard. You know, the Irish have had some really high-end guards recently course highlighted by Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson I think Jared Patterson was a terrific center that did a really good job at offensive guard as well but Shrout has the ability and the ceiling and the upside to get in that upper stratosphere of outstanding guards at Notre Dame so word on the street is you have no concerns about the left guard spot Shrout is going to be a monster and it seems like Andrew Kristoffic is starting to nail down that right guard spot. So Rocco Spindler might be on the outside looking at, hey, there's still three weeks to go before that first game. Anything can happen. But it sure seems like based on what the media has seen in practice that Shroud and Kristoffic, they've got the upper hand right now in starting at those two offensive guard positions. If you've listened to the show, I've been stuck on a record of 9-3 and three as my prediction for Notre Dame since last year ended. I'm still at 9-3, and three, but I would tell you right now, I'm more ready to go 10-2 and two than any thought of 8-4. and four. I thought 8-4 and four was possible without getting into injury concerns, but I feel better about this team right now than I did a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want it to be the newness and the excitement of a new season and this is going to be great and that's going to be great. I'm, I'm trying to be level-headed. I think there is a very realistic path to go 10-2. and two. If you beat Ohio State, then all of a sudden bigger possibilities for this football team. But right now, I'm still 9-3, and three, leaning toward 10-2. and two. I've eliminated 8-4. and four. Now, if Sam Hartman gets hurt, then we bring 8-4 and four back into play even with Steve Angeli looking really good in training camp I'm just saying it brings eight and four back into play but outside of a quarterback injury I just don't feel like this team is capable of dropping four games during the regular season so I'm still nine and three but I'm edging closer 
to changing my mind to 10 and 2. Again, I'm afraid of, I'm over eager for the start of the year and excited, and this looks good and that looks good. So I'm going to just be patient, stick with 9 and 3, but 10 and 2 has been more on my mind than it's been really throughout the entire offseason. Hat trick of opening topic number two for this Tuesday. You're going to hear from defensive coordinator Al Golden coming up in the next segment. But I want to play a soundbite from Al here in this hat trick of opening topics. And he was asked about his head coach, Marcus Freeman, and how different Freeman is in year two of training camp compared to where he was last year when I'm sure everything was coming at him very, very quickly as a first-time head coach. So here is how Al Golden described being around Marcus Freeman in year two of training camp at the University of Notre Dame. Is that he's comfortable in the role. You know, I've said it over and over again. Uh, there's one guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. It's him. It's him. And um, he's got a clear vision. It's clearer now. Um, it's easier to execute. Um, we know exactly where we all stand with him. I think the players feel the same way. And um, um, he's got a great plan for preseason. Uh, he had a great plan for the spring, great plan for the summer. He's got an awesome plan for these guys in preseason. And I think they're respecting and responding to it. So in terms of how he feels, you have to ask him. But uh, those are just my quick observations. Well, we all respect Al Golden's opinion, someone that's been a head coach at the Division I level and a pressure cooker down at Miami, head coach of the Hurricanes. Before that, had that great turnaround run with the Temple Owls. Based on what we hear from players and coaches, it does seem like that Marcus has a terrific plan for this training camp, having gone through this process one time. There are some things you like. There's some things you throw in the garbage can. You probably steal some things from coaches that you talk to, and Marcus, does seem more, and this is from just watching, not talking to him, but it just seems like he is more in control of the football program now a year in. And it feels like he has a plan for every minute, let alone every practice, and how to make this football team better. He's got his finger better on the pulse of the football team. Maybe he now has a better feel to what buttons to push with the football team. But it has been very noticeable early on in fall camp that he will pull the guys into a circle and deliver a message. The guys get down on a knee, and you could see him being very emphatic in the message that he's delivering to the football team. It's going to be really interesting to see Marcus in the second year on the sideline, how he handles things differently. He's been through the Ohio State Notre Dame uprising, the media talking about him playing at Ohio State. He's been through that, and that's probably a tough first game. You're wanting to get through your first game week press conference, but to do it against your alma mater and have to go through those questions, it's, it's not easy. The emotions of facing your alma mater this time around, you got Navy the first game, but you got the stress of worrying about getting your team over to Dublin. It sounds like on a vacation plane ride, he figured out a different way to handle the players on the trip to Dublin. So he's always taking notes, even on vacation, trying to put his football team in the best position to succeed. Hey, taking your team over to Ireland is not easy. 
And it's not like it's a fun week for the football team where they're out doing this and doing that. It's a business trip. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's so easy for the players who want to go have some fun, but it is a business trip, and I'm sure Marcos will put his football team in the best position to succeed. But again, just watching Marcus handle practice, the sound bites from his first press conference, seems like a different guy and better control of the situation as would anybody. First time around, it's difficult doing any job. Second time around, you learn and you try to do things in a better way. And it sure seems like Marcus is on track to doing that. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for this Tuesday. I want to move ahead a little bit. I don't want to push away the end of summer. I don't want the college football season to fly by. But as we start looking ahead, the Irish, of course, playing in week zero, most of college football debuting in week one. But you move ahead to week four of the schedule, which is the fifth week for Notre Dame playing in week zero. We've got a lot of intriguing football games to look forward to. Obviously, first couple of weeks of the football season, we don't have that many great matchups. We do have Florida State and LSU meeting once again. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Two teams that have hopes of taking that next step in their respective conferences and battle for a playoff spot. But otherwise, you get a lot of the the big boys playing little brother, and there's not a lot of drama. But we get to week four, and all of a sudden we're getting into the conference season, and things start to change. And I think week four is really going to heat up the college football season. There are a lot of really interesting matchups in week four. Let me go through them. Of course, here in South Bend, it's going to be a crazy week. Ohio State coming to South Bend. The Buckeyes handed Notre Dame the loss in Columbus, the opener last year. C.J. Stroud no longer the quarterback for the Buckeyes. He's now leading the charge with the Houston Texans. New quarterback for Ohio State and for Notre Dame. A chance to knock off another elite team at home. It's going to be probably a day in which the Irish fans are wearing green and the Ohio State fans that are going to be flocking the stadium are going to be wearing scarlet. I joked on social media today that I love the Fighting Irish Green. They really got the color right, but it's going to be like a Clark Griswold football game, a Christmas game, because you're going to have a lot of green and red in the stands at Notre Dame Stadium. So Ohio State and Notre Dame, one of the big games of week four, which is September the 23rd. Let's look at some of the other matchups that will make this a fun week. From the ACC, you've got Florida State at Clemson. The Seminoles under Mike Norvell, they're starting to come back. A 10 and three season last year. Now can they take down the team that's so hard to knock off in the ACC, Clemson. Last year in Tallahassee, Clemson outlasted the Seminoles 34 to 28. A lot of really good players back for Florida State. 17 starters, including six of their seven top tacklers. And they'll have their hands full with one of the best running back duels in the country. Clemson's got Will Shipley and Phil Mahoff. And the Tigers return 15 starters on their football team. But let's face it, it's a team game. The quarterbacks are never on the field at the same time. But Cade Klubnik versus Jordan Travis. Just an extra interesting storyline in this massive ACC matchup 
between Florida State and Clemson in Death Valley. Also week four, September 23rd, we go to the Southeastern Conference, two intriguing football games led by a matchup in Tuscaloosa as Ole Miss will take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. For Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, head coach, nine starters back on offense. He's got his quarterback, Jackson Dart, back. 2,974 passing yards and 20 touchdowns. Rushed for 741 yards. But if you want to talk running the football, Ole Miss has one of the best in the country. And Quinshawn Judkins, 1,612 rushing yards last year with 16 touchdowns. The Bama front will be challenged. And Bama, they've got a lot of pieces to replace on the defensive side of the football. They've lost great players throughout all three defensive levels. Do they take a step back after allowing 18.2 points per game last year? Probably, yes. It's Nick Saban. Never say never. For Alabama, the intrigue for Bama fans, who's going to be the starting quarterback in week one? And will it be the same guy in week four when they take on the Rebels? Of course, we all know about Notre Dame transferred Tyler Buckner, who might have the inside track. You got the young guy, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, who filled in last year at times due to an injury to their starter. Really good runner of the football, but throwing the football consistently has been an issue. Also, you've got Jameer Gibbs gone now to the Detroit Lions, so Jace McClellan takes over as the top running back, but they've got a stable full of running backs to run out at the competition going to be an interesting game in Tuscaloosa where Bama is 66-2 over the last 10 years. The most recent loss in 2019 to number one LSU. Go Tigers! Speaking of LSU, in week four, September 23rd, the other Death Valley. It is Arkansas at LSU. Brian Kelly went 10-4 in year one in Baton Rouge. 15 starters back this year. He's added a lot of players from the transfer portal. Most importantly, he's got his quarterback, Jaden Daniels, back. He rushed for 1,100 yards and threw for almost 3,000 last year. And now Jaden Daniels has a pretty good sidekick to hand the football off to in former Notre Dame star Logan Diggs, who has a really good chance to be their starting running back. And Daniels, when he wants to throw it, Malik Neighbors is one of those guys in the country that you really have to have a handle on. 72 carries for 1,000 yards last year. Seven starters back for LSU on defense. They allowed 22 points per game last year. Now, Arkansas, you think running the football. They only have two starting offensive linemen back to try to help quarterback K.J. Jefferson, who rushed for 815 yards, and running back Raheem Sanders, 1,487 yards. The problem is for Arkansas, we told you all the talent that LSU has on the offensive side of the football. The Arkansas defense gave up 30 points per game last year and 170 rushing yards per game. That is a big problem when you head to Baton Rouge. We're looking ahead to September 23rd, some of the interesting week four matchups from the Big 12, Texas at Baylor. Quinn Ewers, part of Ten starters back on offense for Texas, but they don't have Bajan Robinson, the great running back. He's now an Atlanta Falcon. That Texas team averaged 34 points per game last year, and this is a big one for Texas if they lose in Tuscaloosa to Alabama in Week 2. This is a must-win to stay in the playoff chase. You would have to think they're going to lose to Bama September 9th, so Texas cannot 
afford a loss in Waco. From the Big Ten, Iowa at Penn State. Penn State believes this is their year to make a move on Michigan and Ohio State. They've got Drew Alar taking over at quarterback. 16 starters back on this Penn State football team, and they'll take on an Iowa squad that could not score last year. 17 points per game. They hope for better things now that Michigan transfer quarterback Cade McNamara takes over the Hawkeye offense. The Hawkeyes have won two straight in the series. Another matchup from the Pac-12, Colorado at Oregon. Deion Sanders, Colorado head coach. That's all you got to say about the Buffaloes. Oregon, they've got Bo Nix. Wow, he looks like a different guy from the one we saw at Auburn. Nix threw for almost 3,600 yards and 29 touchdown passes last year. The problem is Oregon has trouble stopping the opposition. They have given up at least 27 points per game each of their last three years. And one more game to talk about week four of the college football season. How about in the Pac-12, UCLA at Utah. Utah could be the team that stops USC from going to the playoff. Well, they did it last year, beating Utah. I'm sorry, beating USC in Salt Lake City and then beating them again in the Pac-12 championship game, a game in which if USC would have won, likely they would have been in the playoff. Chip Kelly led the Bruins to a 9-4 season last year. No surprise, they're scoring a lot of points in Kelly's offense, 39 points per game last year. The defense gave up 29. They have nine starters back trying to turn things around at UCLA. So there you go. September 23rd, week four, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Florida State travels to Clemson. Alabama hosts Ole Miss. Arkansas at LSU. Texas goes to Baylor. Penn State welcomes Iowa. Colorado at Oregon. And UCLA travels to Utah. That'll be a fun week of college football. We'll take a timeout. Al Golden's thoughts on his defense. One week into fall camp, you'll hear from Coach Golden coming up next. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on WSBT Radio, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. And don't forget, Eric Hansen, the editor of InsideIndieSports.com, rejoins me to co-host the program tomorrow and Thursday. So plenty more Notre Dame football talk coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison, three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Reek Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports speed on your home of the Fighting Irish. 
Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a terrific Tuesday, beautiful day here in South Bend, Indiana. And we are just 25 days away from the Irish and the midshipmen over in Dublin, Ireland. Don't forget, 2.30 kickoff right here on WSBT Radio. August the 26th, the first week zero game of the college football season. Well, the Fighting Irish are watching Marcus Freeman grow in his second year as a head football coach. And for Al Golden, his second year as defensive coordinator of this Fighting Irish football program. For four consecutive years, Notre Dame averaged under 20 points per game allowed, including in 2020 and 2021, the Irish allowed just 19.7 points per game. That number increased last year up to 23 points per game. Al Golden, in a recent interview with a local writer, discussed how he had to learn a lot about college football offenses in a short amount of time. You might recall when Golden was hired by Notre Dame to be their defensive coordinator, they had to wait until the Cincinnati Bengals' magical Super Bowl run ending in February and that loss to the L.A. Rams. Then Golden got to South Bend, had to learn his personnel and get a good feel for college football offenses. Of course, he's been a coordinator before at the collegiate level, but offenses have changed dramatically since then. So now you see Al Golden go through this for a full season, an offseason to continue to work the chess pieces and how to make this defense better. And he brings back a very interesting group of players. You don't have Isaiah Foskey, arguably your best player last year, the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame football history, and you don't replace Isaiah Foskey. But Notre Dame appears to have a lot of great pieces elsewhere on the football team that gives this defense the opportunity to improve dramatically over the unit that gave up 23 points per game last year, 329 yards of total offense. That's the fewest Notre Dame has allowed since 2019, but the opposition was able to score and have a lot of success down in the red zone against the Irish. Notre Dame allowed 131 yards per game last year and 198 yards through the air. So Al Golden Year number two, here's the Irish defensive coordinator on going through everything a second time. Yeah, I mean, I just think everything has slowed down. I, I'm hearing that from the players and from the from the staff. Um, our focus, our focus is always inward. Like we're always worried about ourselves. But for me, I had the ability and the, and the opportunity to have foresight and to be a little bit more outward thinking. You know, to be able to look at the schedule and say, you know, for these three teams, we're going to need this. Obviously, for Navy, we're going to need that. Um, when we play this team, hey, that's a little different. They're a little bit more 12 personnel, but we might need this. So I think from that standpoint, um, the offseason has been very, very productive, and uh, we're practicing accordingly. And with that evaluation by Coach Golden, what he needs from his defense, when you have to move around the pieces to the puzzle, he has a lot of interesting choices at his position group, the linebacking core. You've got the three veteran guys that you're probably going to see in base packages, and that being Maris Leofau, now the Rover. You've got 
Jack Kaiser switching places with Leah Fowl. Kaiser is now the Will linebacker. And you've got J.D. Bertrand, the tackle machine, once again ready to go at the Mike linebacker. With that being said, a young guy like Jalen Sneed, who started to push his way into a bigger role as the season went on last year, we fully expect Sneed to be a major part of this defense. You've got Nolan Ziegler. The freshman, Jaden Osbury, could be a part that might be used at times. I've got him penciled in as the backup rover at this particular time. Here's Al Golden discussing what he is wanting from his linebacking core during fall camp. Yeah, again, for us, you know, really just four things is where our focus is, right? So we need uh, great ball disruption. Uh, we need to be, you know, finished. We need effort and attitude on every single play. We need to understand, um, identify, and execute in situations. Uh, and then we need to be better tacklers. That, you know, that, that's our focus early on. There's some other things that we need to get done, uh, but those four is, is really where our focus is. And as I just established, there are some older guys that we know what we're going to get out of, and then the young guys, how are they going to fit in? Really curious to see how Golden uses Jalen Sneed this year. It would just seem like he's going to have a major jump in opportunities this season. One of the younger guys right now at linebacker, a local guy from Andrean, Drake Bowen, right now going through the process of his first collegiate fall camp. Going to be a baseball player with the Fighting Irish as well. And Al Golden has really given Drake Bowen the thumbs up for handling everything being thrown at him so far. Yeah, no, it really hasn't been an issue at all. You know, um, again, we're, we're supporting his journey uh, there. And um, he had to make a lot of sacrifices in his personal life, in his social life, those types of things. Uh, it really hasn't impacted, you know, his commitment to football. And, uh, you know, he's doing a great job in the playbook right now, and uh, we need him to make a little run here. We need those young guys to really make a run here and get good. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com on our free WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday evening. We're going through some of the press conference audio from Irish defensive coordinator Al Golden. Now let's have some fun. Let's talk about a unique duo right now that's ready to take the college football world by storm this fall as you have two high-end corners ready to go for the Fighting Irish this year. You've got the field corner in Benjamin Morrison. Again, field corner means he takes on the receiver on the wide side of the field where there is the most space between the hash and the sideline. And then you've got the boundary corner, which is the short side of the field, the smaller real estate, where 6'3", Cam Hart, is waiting on the opposition. It's a fun, fun quarterback duel. Morrison had the breakout freshman campaign with the six picks. If Hart can ever stay healthy for a full year, you feel like he is capable of being a dominant player for this fighting Irish defense. And here is defensive coordinator Al Golden on his cornerbacks and what it could mean to his strategy and maybe bringing that extra body on the blitz, knowing you've got two corners that can handle themselves in man-to-man situations. Yeah, I think it's math, right? You know, if, if, if you're able to play more man um, or rush for uh, more, um, you know, uh, and get pressure, 
that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is if, if you can lock down, now you can rush five. So um, we're trying to develop all of those things. Relative to your question, obviously, you know, they're, they're competing. Uh, we're trying to create more depth there um, just because of the number of packages we have. And um, they really had a great summer uh, as a group and uh, just really excited about where this thing goes. We're early in camp, but it's exciting. Well, on our Twitter question of the day, I had the question, who's going to be the number two sack guy for the Irish behind my pick for number one, Jordan Patello? And I put out some obvious choices like uh, Nana Osafa Mensa, a defensive end, maybe Riley Mills coming from defensive tackle. But one of the choices was Will linebacker Jack Kaiser. And this is just a projection for me based on his athleticism, speed. I have a feeling there are going to be times in which we see Kaiser go after the quarterback a little more often. And it goes back into the conversation Al just had with you in regard to having two great corners. And the math tells you that you can bring an extra body on the blitz. It could come from any direction. But I just wonder if Kaiser might be a sneaky good pick to be the number two sack guy on this Notre Dame football team. A lot to be decided in the secondary still. But as we continue with that cornerback conversation, I, I do want to point this out that it seems like Javante Jean-Baptiste has hit his stride right now in fall camp as he battles Nana Osafa Mensa for strong side defensive end. Those are going to be your two guys barring injury. I think the question is at this point, who is number one and who is number two? But the Irish feel like they're in pretty good shape at strong side defensive end with those two individuals with hyphens. You go to the weak side defensive end. That's where Jordan Patello looks to be coming off the edge to cause havoc on the opposition. You've got Junior Tuihalamaka as an option over there, Josh Burnham. It feels like that this year compared to last year, this is the best way I can put it. I feel like last year Notre Dame starters – were really, really good. And there was a gap between them and the twos only because the ones were so good. I feel like this year, the ones and the twos, there is not much of a gap. In fact, I don't know in a couple of spots if there's that much difference between starter and backup. And that's not a negative toward the starters. I just think at this point, there isn't that explosive Guy, you know what you're going to get, like Foskey. Now, maybe Botello can become that guy, and if he does, that is fantastic news. I think Riley Mills is going to have a massive season at defensive tackle, and there might be a gap there more than any other position between Mills and his backup. At nose guard, you can look at Howard Cross, Gabe Rubio. I'm not sure the gap is very big between those two individuals, two very capable football players. So as we have the conversation about the outstanding corners and bringing the extra body, that could take a little pressure off the fighting Irish front, but it would be great if Jordan Botello turns out to the type of player that people are hoping this year is someone that can get after the opposing quarterback in 2023. Finally, at the safety position, 
It does feel like, as I mentioned in the previous segment, the Irish are very comfortable with their veteran safeties, DJ Brown and Ramon Henderson at free safety, and Xavier Watts at strong safety. How does Antonio Carter fit in? The transfer from Rhode Island is Thomas Harper. The transfer from Oklahoma State have to help there. But it seems like Notre Dame is comfortable with their veteran starters. And here was Al Golden, the Irish defensive coordinator, commenting on the safety position one week into camp. Again, it's, you know, we got we got experience there. Um, all all three of the older guys are really doing a great job, four, four older guys now um, with the additions. But they're all doing a great job of being vocal and really trying to be more demonstrative, and, and that's helping us. And then at the same time, there's a younger group that they're kind of mentoring you know, which is awesome to see. And um, as coaches, we've been, we've been challenging each other to keep mixing up the, align, you know, the alignments, right? So the ones don't just go with the ones, but mix them up so they get comfortable for anything that may occur in a game or during the season. And um, the safeties uh, are really doing a good job with their leadership. I, I see improvement uh, verbally. Um, and uh, I think just overall, they're just, they're very, very comfortable. That's Al Golden, the Fighting Irish defensive coordinator on the safety position. You've got Clarence Lewis and Thomas Harper dueling for that nickel spot. You would have to think Harper has an advantage at this point. We'll see if Clarence Lewis, who has played a lot for the Irish, can push Harper for more playing time at the nickel. A lot of interesting parts. Like I started this conversation, I think we're waiting to see which players are going to be difference maker demonstrative, explosive players. Morrison and Hart and Botello seem like guys that fall into that category. Bertrand, Leofau, and Kaiser, been there, done that. You hope they have now taken a major step forward after seeing a lot of time on the field. And again, I think Riley Mills is going to be a game wrecker at defensive tackle for this Fighting Irish football team. So that's a little look at the Fighting Irish defense led by defensive coordinator Al Golden. We're going to take a timeout. Plenty more Notre Dame football talk to get to a preview of USC. Pete Byrne from WSBT 22 joins me to talk Fighting Irish football on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on this Tuesday evening. Yesterday, our Twitter question of the day, which you can find on my Twitter account or X account at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday, we asked you in the final college football playoff rankings in December, which of these three teams will be ranked the highest? Your three choices, the USC Trojans, the Clemson Tigers, or your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. The votes have been cast. Here are the results. Coming in third place, in your opinion, the team least likely to be ranked the highest of those three teams from the ACC, the favorite in that conference, the Clemson Tigers, who got 13% of the vote. In November, Notre Dame will visit Clemson. Second place in the voting, getting 33% of the vote, the USC Trojans, who are in South Bend, October 14th, looking to renew the great rivalry with the Fighting Irish and looking to win in South Bend for the first time since 2011. It's been a while since the Trojans have 
flown home from the Midwest with a victory against the Fighting Irish. Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy quarterback, is back for USC. They have a ton of transfers, as you'll find out in our opponent preview coming up next hour. But you've got USC, the second most likely of the three teams, to be ranked the highest in the final college football playoff rankings. And winning the vote, is this a homer vote? Is this you speaking the truth? Whatever the case may be, the majority has spoken 54% believe that the Fighting Irish will be ranked the highest in the college football playoff rankings in December. They'll be ahead of USC and Clemson. We thank you for voting. And here comes today's question. What will be the Notre Dame record after the September portion of their schedule? The six games they will play between the opener August 26th and the end of September, Navy and Dublin, home against Tennessee State, at North Carolina State, home against Central Michigan, home against Ohio State, and at Duke. So what is going to be Notre Dame's record through those six games? Your four choices on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat, 6-and-0, 5-1, 4-2, 3-3, or worse. We'd love for you to vote. Check us out on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. A sports update's coming up in a moment. You'll hear from Pete Byrne, sports director, WSBT 22. We'll talk some Irish football next on WSBT. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe, maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Uh, here at Notre Dame, to have a chance to play these kind of teams, you have an opportunity to jump up and, and maybe in some ways be a spoiler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford. Yeah, if you want to ask me a question about Stanford, I'm all ears. I'll pass. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And most of the football players who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell. We continue with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you, joined by the sports director at WSBT News 22, Pete Byrne, a Notre Dame grad. And he's been covering the Fighting Irish. Boy, Pete, I want to say two decades. Is that pretty close? You're getting close, yeah. I think this is season number 18 as a uh, as a professional reporter, yeah. So pretty close. Wow. Well, good to be with you. It's always great to talk some football as we've got, of course, Notre Dame football camp underway. Just going into the month of August, what are your expectations right now for this Notre Dame football team? How good do you think this bunch can be? Darren, I expect them to actually be pretty good this year in year two under Marcus Freeman. Obviously, there's a lot that has to fall into place for them. Um, but, you know, starting with the most noteworthy position, I mean, they bring back an unbelievable quarterback in Sam Hartman. I shouldn't say bring back, but they introduce a quarterback who's as good as probably any guy we've ever seen play quarterback in here in the last decade plus. I mean, I think I've heard you say he'll be their best quarterback since Brady Quinn. I, I'm inclined to agree at this point. Obviously, there's a lot that has to happen, but I mean, Hartman certainly looks the part in practice, right? Uh, he can make the throws. Uh, he's got five seasons under his belt because of the COVID year. I mean, everything about this guy suggests that, that he's a super talented passer, throwing the fact that he's got an experienced offensive line. Audric Estime looks like what Jerome Bettis would have dreamed of looking <laughs> like back in his prime. Uh, obviously, we've got... 
question marks at wide receiver, but I don't I don't think due to uh, lack of production, but but rather just youth. Um, you know, and then defensively, they've got some nice, some pieces replaced, but an awful lot back as well. And Marcus Freeman, I would say, looks different and sounds different in year two than he did in year one. So I, w- I would imagine that that he's going to be better, much like you assume older players to be better. So, I, I mean, I actually have pretty high expectations for the team this year. You walked me right into my next question. As someone that's been at practice, maybe you can help fans understand that Marcus Freeman does seem a little different in this fall camp. The the Getting the guys down on a knee, and it seems like he has been delivering some very important messages to his football team. Just in your observations, how would you describe to the average Irish fan how Marcus feels different at this time? I think he's more deliberate right now and maybe be the best way to say it. I mean, I think when he got hired, I mean, we remember, you know, the drama and the timeline and how enthused the players were and everybody assumed, I think rightfully so, that he was going to be a quote-unquote players coach. And there's no question that he's got a relationship with players that, that he likes and that they like, and, and we can see why they they feel the way they do about him. But, you know, Maybe maybe he wasn't hard enough on them last year. Um, and as, as a new coach, obviously, there's a lot to learn and there's mistakes that are going to be made. No question that happened last year. But I, I feel like he's been more deliberate this year. And at the start of every practice, as, as you mentioned, you know, he's, he's bringing guys in to deliver a message. And it's, it's not as simple as, hey, guys, let's have a good practice. I mean, he's animated. He, uh, he's, he's no nonsense. I think he's, he's trying to visibly and audibly – Show his guys that there's work to be done and we expect excellence out of you guys and you know the season opener is going to be here before you know it and we don't have time to mess around so these next two hours on the practice field it's about getting our work done and nothing but pete burns sports director wsbt 22 here in south Bend. my guest on budweiser's weekday sports beat early observations at the wide receiver position i think you're right there are a lot of question marks but it seems like compared to last year, there are more good answers to some of these questions. Yeah, for, for one thing, I mean, Jaden Thomas is just a year older, a year more experienced. If you look at him, he, he's a year in the weight room bigger. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to make this comparison because they're not the same type of player, but physically, just physically, his build looks a lot like Chase Claypool's, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't think he's the same kind of receiver, but he's a big, huge, strong, athletic target that looks like he could create a real mismatch when he's certainly in one-on-one coverage, um, and he's going to play a lot in the outside, so he'll get some one-on-one coverage from time. Moving Chris Tyree over to the wide receiver slot has obviously been something we've talked about a lot, but, but he gives them experience. He gives them a tremendous amount of Speed. We've also seen Tyree doing a lot in the kick return game. Um, you know, and then the young guys, you know, they're, they're going to have to prove themselves, right? And, and I can tell you what they look like in practice all day until I'm blue in the face, but <laughs> it's just practice, right? To quote Allen Iverson, yeah. it's not to say it doesn't matter, but, but I want to see him do it on a, on a September and October Saturday. But they do seem to have a ton of young, high-potential talent more so than I, than I feel like they've – They've had in a long time at that position. So while it's it's cautious optimism, it's optimism nonetheless it's that there seems to be some pieces there. If even one of those guys, you know, can can have what you would consider to be a good freshman year, I, I feel like 
I feel like they'll be miles ahead at that position than they were a year ago. Pete, I've been kind of stuck on a record of nine and three since the end of last year. And I got to be honest, I'm trending a little bit more to 10 and two recently. And maybe the one thing that's holding me back personally, I'm really curious to see the depth that they're going to have along the defensive line. I feel like the starters are going to be okay. I think Batello's going to be okay. But one thing about Notre Dame football, going back to when Mike Elston took over as defensive line coach, their number twos have been really good. It, it never felt like there was a major drop-off. And I think this is the first time in a long time, at least in my opinion, I have to hold my breath a little bit and wait and see how good this group is. I'm just wondering, do you feel the same way about the defensive line? Are there things you have seen that should crush my – I guess, a concern about that unit? I would say that if I had concern, it, it would be less about the depth and more about maybe the, the high-end play at the number ones, and that's not to suggest that they won't be good there, but, you you know, you lose a guy like Isaiah Foskey or the, uh, the Adam Alola brothers, and I, you're always worried about replacing NFL-caliber talent when it leaves, right? Um, but from a depth standpoint, I mean, I don't know how much difference there is between a Jordan Batello and a Junior Tule Alamaca, right? Or, uh, you know, I, Riley Mills, I think we think he's going to be a stud inside. But I saw Gabe Rubio practice today. Man, he's big and fast. And, I, I mean, I think he's going to – I think he's a guy that you'd feel good about playing a lot and making plays. Now, if somebody goes down and one of these backups has to ascend to a starting role, yeah, that maybe makes you nervous. But that's always the case at every position, right? I mean, I can – you know, we look at Howard Cross right now, and we feel good about him at the nose. But, but I remember when he started playing a couple years ago, I think it was the Wisconsin game, you're like, oh, boy, if they got a ride with this kid, it could be trouble. <laughs> he figured it out. I, I think the depth's there. It's just that we don't know the depth, which is so often the case, right? I mean, you don't know the depth until you yep. get a chance to see it. But I feel like too deep, they're actually pretty strong at that position. And, and I, I bring this up because I was actually watching this position pretty closely this morning at practice. They've got a lot of, of freshmen that that look like good not I want to see them play right away but like I feel like the depth is there maybe it's a little bit younger but but I actually feel like like the stable's pretty full there Hmm. I like the sound of that Pete Burns sports director WSBT 22 in South Bend my guest here on WSBT radio I'll say this you get a little old linebacker I guess looks in practice and you get a look at some of the young guys too there's some really interesting pieces Pete at the linebacker position. I have a feeling just because you start doesn't mean you're going to play all the snaps. I think Bertrand's going to be out there a ton, but it just feels like you've got different pieces for different things you want to do on the defensive side of the football. And to me, you need game-changing linebackers today in college football. I think the Irish have a chance to develop some of those and maybe have a couple of those in this veteran group. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're probably as experienced as linebackers they are as anywhere on the football team right now. I mean, you mentioned J.D. Bertrand, but Jack Kaiser is basically a three-year starter at this point. Um, and Miros Leofau has, has uh, fought the injury bug a little bit, but he's actually a guy that, that has been, you know, he's he's been projected to play a lot over the years, and then injuries have gotten in the way, but he's played a fair amount of football over the course of his career. Remember, he's a, he's a fifth year at this point, so while – I don't know if he's had a full season under his belt. He's certainly not new. Um, new guys, you're going to maybe see Jaden Osbury, the freshman, a little bit. I know we started to see Jalen Sneed really flash last year late in the season. I think you're going to see him a lot, the sophomore. 
They're also talking a lot about Nolan Ziegler. I'm, I'm curious about Drake Bowen, who's from Andrean, mm-hmm. not too far from here. Obviously, we, we got a chance to see him in high school last year, and it was, I mean, he was a man among his boys when you saw him out on the, <laughs> on the field for the high school level. So, I mean, he, he to me, projects a lot like a uh, – he reminds me a lot, actually, of, uh, the, of the way Jack Kaiser did a few years ago. So just projecting down the road, um, how, how many of those young guys we see, I don't know. We, we've heard Marcus Freeman talk about needing to get the young guys reps with the first team so that they're ready whenever they're called upon. But, but I really feel like, barring an injury, that you're going to see Bertrand Kaiser and Leofile play a lot of football. Pete, I'm not sure there's – much more certainty than the cornerback positions with Morrison and Hart. That is a duel that's going to be really tough to beat across the country. We know what Morrison did last year, and if Hart can ever stay healthy, Pete, at 6'3", with that ball skill and athleticism, that guy is an absolute monster, and it's a pick-your-poison moment for offensive coordinators. Yeah, and let me throw one more name out there. One guy who I thought has looked pretty good in practice, one we've been able to watch him is Jaden Mickey. Um, Super athletic, obviously very young, doesn't have a lot of experience, and then something Marcus Freeman has talked about, but just his instincts are phenomenal. He made an unbelievable one-handed interception late in the day on the first practice of the year, and I can't remember which quarterback threw the ball, but it doesn't really matter relative to what I'm trying to say right now. What I'm trying to point out is that Mickey has some freakish abilities, and then obviously they bring in um, Thomas Harper, the graduate from Oklahoma State, who played safety for them, but nonetheless has played a ton of big-time college football. I, I feel like despite the fact that they have a lot of experience there, you've got nickel options, you've got, you got rotational options. I, it's very rare to talk about the secondary, at least at Notre Dame, it seems like over the years, and feel like it's a strength. Um, but, but I feel like this year it actually is because, because of that depth. I mean, you mentioned how good Morrison was. I mean, I think the challenge for Morrison – and Freeman talked about this last week, was like, how much better can he be, you know? I mean, it's, he would do well to play as well as a sophomore as he did as a freshman, and nobody wants to say that they haven't improved. Um, but if his numbers are no better and his performance is no better, that's still phenomenal, right? So how much better can he be? I mean, I think that's something that we're all excited to see and curious to see. But, but to your point, far more experience returning in that spot than I feel like they've had in a long time. A non-football-related question for you. Notre Dame unveiled their new jerseys for the Ohio State (laughs) game. They're green. And I'll say this, I don't get into fashion a whole lot, but Adidas and some previous Under Armour attempts of going with green jerseys, I didn't feel like they got the green right. I think they got the green really, really close to perfect for this game against Ohio State. I mean, the green pants, the green jerseys, I think they're going to be a pretty good look. Your thoughts? I love the look, and I have not. I haven't been as down on some of the other greens as is maybe others. I, I didn't like the uh, the camouflage, the military green they did many years back. Um, I think some of their greens have looked good, some haven't. But I do like the green on green with the green shoes. I also like the fact that they didn't get cute with the helmet this time, right? It's just the straight yes. gold helmet. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to look cool. I, I I just love the fact that what a year or two ago they finally decided to wear green on the green out game instead of remember they used to have the fans yeah. wear green and then the team would come out in blue and it's like 
Like, why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I, I think they look good. I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a uniform guy, you know, that going back to my equipment days, oh, yes. some of these alternates, I really like some of them. I don't, I do really like this one. I ha- and that hasn't always been the case, I hope but th- I'll like it a lot more if they walk off the field with smiles on their faces that night. Right. And not yeah. scowls. <laughs> Absolutely. And I hope the hockey team can go to those senior night green sweaters. I really like this green. All right. Final question those for you, good, Pete. Yeah. As we, we wrap up a little conversation on Notre Dame football, you've got the three big games this year for Notre Dame on paper. Of course, Ohio State comes to the stadium. You've got USC here with a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. And then you go to Death Valley to take on Clemson. Which of those three do you feel like is the most winnable? Ooh, good question. It's not where I thought you were going to go with that one. I thought you were going to ask for maybe a fourth big game. No, but um, <laughs> which is the most winnable? Um, hmm. Is Ohio State the toughest? Now, I think USC might be the toughest, okay. actually, just because of that quarterback. Um, and I feel like USC with their coach, I just feel like they're on the upswing right now. I, I mean, I, I think of those three teams, Clemson is the least daunting, but it's also at Clemson, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to go Clemson because Notre Dame's had pretty good success against Clemson recently, and I, yep. I think sometimes a little bit too much is made out of home versus away, and I also think that maybe sometimes Notre Dame even feels pressure at home in some of these big games. But, but I will tell you this. If, if for some reason, I shouldn't say for some reason, right, if they're able to beat Ohio State, which will probably be the biggest game of the first month of the season, right, nationally, um, if they're able to win that game, look out. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about this team being nine and three, ten and two. If they if they start off and they're able to go from four and zero to five and zero with an Ohio State win, all of a sudden your projections go from ten and two to twelve and zero real quick. No question. Hey, let's just hope as you look at the schedule with Clemson and NC State, no hurricanes this time. Correct. Yeah, I actually had that conversation <laughs> oh, with some people. Gosh. Somebody was like, somebody was telling me like, yeah, they never play well at NC State, and I'm like. Well, I really only remember them playing there one time, and it wasn't even really a football game. It was more of a swim meet. Deshaun Kaiser with 25 throws against NC State and a hurricane was something I'll never forget. And and the hours chasing points at Clemson. If they kick that day, yeah, if they kick extra points against Clemson, they're in overtime. But we were chasing points, going for two, and unfortunately came up short. Well, Pete, you've got a busy, busy month coming up with high school football starting very soon. Of course, Notre Dame football coverage. So I would imagine football is front and center on WSBT. It certainly is. Uh, well, starting today for the next five or six months, right? That's just, but that's what we love around here. Until uh, until all the football's over with, we'll ride it as long as we can. And since I know you'll, uh, you're a baseball guy. Let's let's not forget the Cubs are only three out of the wild card at this point, right? Oh, three baseball's still going on. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> for some of us, yes, it still is, my man. Uh, I, I just found out today that if the Cardinals finish with one of the six worst records, they qualify for the lottery for the number one pick. I've never been in this spot before, Pete. I'm learning as I go. Well, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Hey, Pete, good to catch up with you. Of course, we'll tune in to WSBT 22 for the latest in football and everything else going on in the area. Always appreciate your time. We'll catch up with you soon. Great chatting with you, Darren. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Pete Byrne, WSBT 22 Sports Director, joining me here on WSBT Radio. We'll take a timeout. More Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five-five rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. Our Notre Dame football opponent preview continues today with a look at one of the great rivals of Notre Dame, the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football when Notre Dame and the USC Trojans get together. Well, USC last year under Lincoln Riley went 11-3. Their victories, they started off fast by hammering Rice 66-14. Then they went to the farm and beat Stanford 41-28, a 45-17 home win over Fresno State, a tough, hard-fought win at Oregon State 17-14. They cruised at home over Arizona State 42-25 and Washington State 30-14. They won at Arizona in a slugfest 45-37. They outdueled Cal 41-35. A big 55-17 win over Colorado. And then they beat their two rivals at UCLA 48-45 and Notre Dame 38-27 at the Coliseum. Their three losses, two of them to the Utah Utes. The first in the regular season as Utah went for two at home late and got it and won 43-42. And then Utah knocked USC out of the college football playoff picture with a Pac-12 championship 47-42 win. And their bowl game was a loss to Tulane, 46-45. Lincoln Riley has made the playoffs in three of six years as a head coach, those three playoff appearances, as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. Hopes are very high in SoCal that this Trojan team can make it to the Final Four for the first time in program history. They've got eight starters back on offense, including their Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Williams, spectacular during his Heisman season, helping this offense average 41.4 points per game, 507 yards of total offense, 171 yards on the ground, and 335 through the air. Williams, 4,537 passing yards. He completed 66% of his throws. And how about this ratio? 42 touchdown passes, five interceptions. And oh, by the way, ran it 113 times for 669 yards and 10 touchdowns. For Lincoln Riley, his third Heisman Trophy winner and his fourth finalist. Jordan Addison, Williams' top target last year, the transfer from Pitt, is now a Minnesota Viking. Addison, during an injury-plagued season last year, 59 catches for 875. After Addison, though, five of the top six pass catchers are back, led by Taj Washington, 50 catches for 785 and six touchdowns, and Mario Williams, who also came from Oklahoma, 40 catches, five of those for touchdowns, and 631 yards. They've also added from Arizona transfer Dorian Singer, who had 1,100 receiving yards last year for the Wildcats. You take a look at the offensive line with two starters gone. USC added three transfers. Left tackle Michael Tarquin from Florida. You've got left guard Emmanuel Pregnan from Wyoming. And from Washington State, right guard Jarrett Kingston. 
Travis Dye was the top ball carrier for USC. He has departed. Now Austin Jones is ready to take over the number one spot. Last year, 727 rushing yards on 135 attempts and five touchdowns for Jones. At the end of the year, he was strong, 154 yards against the Irish, and he went for 120 against UCLA. You look at the defense that returns nine starters. Last year, they gave up a lot of points, 29.2 points per game, 424 yards of total offense, 160 rushing yards, and 264 in the passing game. Now, Riley is not known for his teams having great defenses. They're hoping that changed this year with nine starters back. But 19 sacks are gone from their starting defensive line last year. Two starters likely have come from the transfer portal, Georgia nose tackle Bear Alexander and another player from Arizona defensive tackle Kion Bars. Now linebacker, that could be a strength for USC led by a great weak side linebacker that was number two on the team in tackles with 79, three and a half sacks and an interception. They brought in from Oklahoma State middle linebacker Mason Cabo had 96 tackles for the Cowboys last year. And even a player from Georgia State has joined the USC football team. He's Jamil Muhammad. He will play the rush linebacker spot. The team's leading tackler, free safety, Max Williams, is back. 79 tackles last year, and he did a little bit of everything. Five sacks, five pass breakups, and a couple of interceptions. Strong safety, Kalen Bullock, a team best, five picks. They lost top corner. McKee Blackman. They did bring in Alabama's Traquan Fegans and Arizona's Christian Roland Wallace, who had 58 tackles in 12 games for the Wildcats. So they do have to rebuild some chemistry in the back end of their defense. You look at some of the betting notes from the Notre Dame-USC matchup. The home team has covered the spread each of the last two meetings, including USC. They were a four-point favorite at the Coliseum last year, and they beat the Irish by 11. The last time USC won in South Bend, you have to go all the way back to 2011. Five straight losses for the men of Troy in South Bend. Notre Dame has not lost back-to-back games to USC since 2008-2009 when they were wrapping up a seven-game winning streak against Notre Dame. The last 10 years as a road dog, if USC is the underdog, not expecting that, but let's play the game. They're 5-16 and 16 against the spread, 1-0 last year. As a road favorite the last 10 years, they are 18-13 and 13 against the spread. They were 2-2 two and two last year in that spot. There could be a ton on the line in the middle of October at Notre Dame Stadium, primetime football, another installment of Notre Dame versus USC. Never disappoints, that's for sure. Coming up next in our opponent preview, we will take a look at the Pittsburgh Panthers. Money, money, money. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. And we wrap up tonight's program with our Sizzler segment as we offer some wagering advice. Last night was a good night for the Sizzler segment. We went 4-0. We begin with the Reds and the Cubs at Wrigley Field. We took the Reds on the money line, backing their great rookie left-handed pitcher, Andrew Abbott. And with Marcus Stroman struggling, we went Reds on the money line, a road underdog at plus 100. You bet 10 to win 20 bucks. And the Reds held on to beat the Cubbies by a score of 6-5. to 
A new popular wager in the sports betting world, no run first innings, or if you believe one of the teams is going to score in the first inning. I went a no-run first inning between the Reds and the Cubs at minus 130. You wager 10 to win 17.69, and we won that as well as neither team scored in the first inning. A lot of runs after that, but no runs in the first inning. Our third suggestion last night from the AL East, I backed Tyler Glasnow, the great starting pitcher for Tampa on the road. Against the Yankees, we went Rays on the money line at minus 130, bet 10 to win 17-69. Glasnow was great, and the Yankees continue to struggle against that right-hander. The Rays over the Yankees, 5-1. And finally, on the West Coast last night, we backed the Seattle Mariners in their matchup against the Boston Red Sox. We took Seattle at home on the money line at minus 135, bet 10 to win 17-40. We got the victory to complete a 4-0 night last night. And that got us over the 500 mark for July. It was a struggle. Had to go 7-1 and one in the last eight to get to 14-13. and 13. Now here we go with our four suggestions for tonight. We start with a two-team parlay in Major League Baseball. The Cubs on the money line against the Reds, coupled with the Rangers on the money line against the White Sox. We're taking two home teams. We parlay them together for plus 129. You bet 10 to win 22.99. Also, Twins on the money line against the Cardinals in St. Louis at minus 120. We'll back the Marlins on the money line against the Phillies at minus 135 with Sandy Alcantara on the mound. And how about the D-backs and the Giants in San Francisco under 7.5 total runs at minus 120. Sports Beat Tonight brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor, and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the Family Inn and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Folks, have a great evening. South Bend Cubs baseball is coming up next on WSBT South Bend.